Hello, I'm Benno Smith and welcome to The Father, The Son and The Holy Toast. This is an idea which has been rattling around my brain for the best part of two years and wanting to break a bad habit of not following through with creative ideas, I thought I would try and make this one a reality. As you may or may not know, my dad, Michael Smith, works in the Church of England. He was a parish priest for the best part of three decades and is currently canon pastor of York Minster Cathedral. I, however, have not followed his footsteps into the church and would say I am more on the atheist agnostic side of things. This podcast will be conversations between the two of us, exploring a range of topics. But first, I wanted to learn how he found his faith and the journey which led him to where he is now. I also thought it was important to have these conversations over a beer. We can't be in the same room at the moment due to the current lockdown, so I sent him one in the post and we did it over Zoom. Of course, very 2020, 2021 or whatever the year is. I hope you enjoy this first episode and thanks for listening. Hello, Dad. Hello, Benno. Um, thank you for agreeing to talk to me this I've been, uh, this morning. I've been looking forward to it. It's been quite a long, uh, for me, a uh, long time coming. I think I first had the idea for talking to you in this format early 2019 on a snowy run in Munich. Oh, really? Okay. A long, long run in Munich and thought about it on lots of runs since. And I don't know, this year made me think that I should execute the creative idea. So thank you. Well, sometimes you act on your thoughts and ideas very quickly. And sometimes you take quite a long time to ponder things and work them out. I know. And usually I talk myself out of doing a creative <laughs> idea. So I, I've, I'm weirdly nervous but um, boldly pushing myself to do it. So I thought a good idea would be to start with a beer. Indeed. Which I've already poured. While you pour it, which hopefully has a satisfying sound to it. Go on. I'll start now. Here we go. Oh. I mean, you're pouring it so well. (laughs) It's cloudy. It's an unfiltered, uh, non-alcoholic lager called Lucky Saint, which which I thought was a fitting fitting title. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, is born of Bavarian spring water, Pilsner malt, Hallertau hops, and our single-use yeast. Discover biscuity malts and a smooth citrus hop finish. I'm not usually a fan of of uh, cloudy beers. I always think it's they're more likely to give me a headache, but um, I don't know why that is. All right, cheers. Anyway, cheers. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's unusual. It's missing um, alcohol. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we're only drinking non-alcoholic because it's your dry January. It is dry Jan, but I've Just. probably drank so many non-alcoholic beers, which will say 0.5% that I've probably drank <laughs> a normal amount of alcohol. Um, and I've noted Bavarian, I think, isn't Munich in Bavaria? I don't know. There's another link. Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, it's in that sort of neck of the woods, so to speak. 
And aren't both our names saints? There's a Saint Michael. There, indeed, there is. The most important saint. And then there is a Saint Benedict. What's uh, Michael? Uh, St. Michael is an archangel that, and, and uh, is often in Christian art mistaken for St. George because he's often shown um, vanquishing a, a, a dragon. So sometimes people think a picture or a statue is St. George when actually it's St. Michael as a symbolic overcoming evil kind of image. And what does archangel mean? A good one? A top one. Top one. It's kind of hierarchy. And then St. Benedict is uh, uh, the, was, or, the awesome monk who uh, changed how monks should yeah, be. Yeah, and he was very... Um, Attractive. Kind of... Prag- yeah, pra- 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 <laughs> he was pragmatic. <laughs> he was pragmatic and down to earth and full of common sense is the Benedictine rule, which has dominated um, monasticism since... Benedict was uh, alive, and I can't quite remember when that was, but I could check. Um, but anyway, he's been, um, yeah, he's had a massive influence because it was common sense and good stuff. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, I can ha- hopefully I can have as much impact on the world as uh, as Benedict the monk. Doesn't it also mean the blessed one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Michael means who is like God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'd st- I was telling um, a friend the other day, just while we're having this non-alcoholic beer, I think I was about 16 and we were at the Bell and the Dragon. Was that it? Yeah. Bell and the Dragon in Cookham? Yeah. Bell and the Dragon, yeah, that's right. And uh, I think you wanted to get your son a beer, at, 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 like his first beer. Yeah. I was, yeah, as I say, I was about 16. So you said, what can I get you? And I think I asked for a Smyrna Ice. <laughs> to, 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 which you, to which you declined, obviously. And uh, I cringe about that uh, on, on yeah, more than, more than you probably think. Um, I, I can't remember that. Yeah, it stuck with me. And I'm, yeah, I find it very Did I funny. get you a beer? No, I don't, well, I, I don't know. I think I just put my head down and realised that I'd made a, a silly mistake. Okay, okay. Um, but so yeah, the I think the best way to start these conversations is to find out a little bit about how you got to be where you are now. Um, so my first question is, what is your earliest memory of church? Okay, um, my earliest memory of church is feeling faint although I didn't know that was what it was just feeling odd when I was probably about seven or eight um at the eight o'clock the early morning communion that we'd all gone to and when I say we all I mean the whole family so five of us mum and dad uh, your granny and granddad and uh, their three children Elizabeth Judith and me were all at church at eight o'clock in the morning and we hadn't had anything to eat. So from that point onwards, um, my mum, whenever we went to the eight o'clock altogether, my mum insisted that I had a couple of biscuits so that I didn't <laughs> feel faint. Because <laughs> I didn't feel faint again. 
Mm. Which is which which yeah, that's one of the earliest memories that I have. And the reason why we were all going to eight o'clock when you know I was I was seven or eight, and Judith and Elizabeth were just a little bit older, obviously. Uh, they still are, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, was because we were probably going to go swimming or something on Sunday morning. So in order to be able to do that, we all got up and went to church at eight o'clock. Oh. And you don't want to swim with a full of- stomach. Well, no, no, no. It was just so that we didn't going to church didn't spoil the rest of the day. It didn't get in the way of doing other stuff. Because that's that's so so in a sense that story indicates not only it's not only about one of my earliest memories of church. It's also about the fact that just going to church was just part of family life. It's what we did, and we even did it on holiday. Um, we we used to I and mean, when we went on holiday, we didn't go to Mallorca and you know places like that we went to places like Torquay and Bournemouth <laughs> and um we went we often we we nearly always went to eight o'clock on Sunday when even when we we're on holiday it was just what we did and I funnily enough having had three rebellious sons I don't remember rebelling ever against it do you think that what why do you think that is it's because I'm going to go to heaven and you're going to go to hell <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've often wondered. I've really, really, I've thought about this a lot. Why didn't I rebel against what my parents were expecting me in that area of my life in the same way? Oh, rebellion's too much for for what you you guys have done. But um, I've often wondered about about well, that. Well, I, I've thought about it and I think or wonder whether and. I mean, you'll have to tell me about what it was like when you were growing up, but mine and Ollie and Theo's exposure to, I don't know, growing up with the internet and maybe not knowing more about the world, but being exposed to more ideas, more ideas and I don't know I, things I, outside of that and that maybe before... I'd, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm a bit I'm a bit skeptical of, of of attributing that kind of power and kind of influence to the internet. You know, there, I mean, there were books and there were story and, and there were stories and there were you know adult conversations that I was part of. I was well aware that there were there were people who didn't go to church and there were people who didn't believe what what I believed and what the rest of my family believed. Um. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think uh, there's a there's a bit of a danger. I think of attributing a huge, a huge amount of change in the way that we think and the way that we behave to the internet, which to a certain extent is true. But actually, I don't think. I think. I think we can do, overdo that a bit. But maybe, anyway. maybe not so much. I mean, the internet part of it. But would you? Well, I don't know. Com- comparing me at I don't know early teens to you at your early teens was I more aware of more things in the world not the world I don't want to say that I was more intelligent than you or more, more <laughs> I don't know I, f- I feel like my generation are maybe stuck because we there's so much choice and we want to get the right do the I don't know. We want to. We want to do the best thing, but we're aware of all the things that you could do. Would you say that there was maybe a smaller, I don't know, spectrum or a, a more no, I don't a, think, 
or or that that kind of that that was there then i don't know no i don't think so i mean i i i remember being uh ensuring that i oh that sounds arrogant i remember reading <laughs> and listening to music and you know listening to lyrics of uh you know which we did all the time of of you know albums and stuff that we were buying and you know, walking proudly to school to lend to somebody with the, you know, the album cover out so we could, everyone could see how cool we are. That's the kind of thing that we did in those days. You, you can't do that anymore. So, but I remember being very, uh, going out of my way really to ensure that I was looking at and hearing other points of view. Yeah, yeah you're right that the internet kind of multiplies the other points of view, you know, infinitely, well, not infinitely, but hugely. Um, but but you know there's only a limit to what there's a, there is a limit to what you can actually take on board um and yeah i'm sure that you had more influences on your in your mind than i did when i was your age but i still think as long as you're open to listening and um uh trying to understand other people's points of view i was doing that in the same way that you were so then what I feel like the majority of, let's say, teenagers, if that was, if that's kind of the age that you're talking about, yeah. I guess my question is, what with you saying that you felt like you were exposed to things outside of a kind of narrow, kind of just church, and yeah, how did? how and why did your i don't know connection to church endure those years when i feel like so many people in that in go who go through that age and are exposed to things outside of it i mean best example is me and uh ollie and theo who at basically that age checked out when when when, when you and mum weren't in a position to maybe enforce it um, uh, we kind of drifted out, out, out of it. Why did because you not I, drift? Why did you not drift away from it? Because I, because I think that's an interesting question. I think because my faith is not was not threatened by you know listening to and trying to analyze. In, in my kind of, you know, teenage um, philosophizing uh, by, you know, David Bowie and Bob Dylan. And, you know, I even, you know, I can remember getting in trouble with, with mum when she was just my girlfriend for buying Anarchy in the UK because, you know, I was kind of supporting that. And I never saw that as a, you know, buying Anarchy in the UK as a conflict with going to church every Sunday. It was just, it was, in, in a sense, it was doing what I was talk, we were talking about earlier about, you know, connecting with all sorts of other ways of looking at the world, all sorts of other ways of thinking. And I never saw any of them as contradictory to what my my basic profound belief was about, you know, a God, a, a God who created the world and, and a God who loves the world and a God who shows us the best way to live our lives through Jesus. I mean, that sounds a bit... But anyway, but then so then maybe the difference is is that uh, 
that my generation have a more inbuilt uh, self-consciousness and fear of how we're perceived, I don't know, maybe through social media or that we're kind of connected to... I don't know more people more people because of because of that and that I don't know I, I'm kind of no, no I mean I had friends talk, who talking is that but that you you clearly had the um, strength of character to hold those two things together whereas I don't know if somebody who was into I don't know pop culture or the cool things at school for for my generation would would. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think it's. I. I think <laughs> I'm basically saying, could you, what could you be cool and be into Christianity when I was at school? And I guess my, I don't know. But that isn't really the reason that I feel like I drifted away. I just kind of. It was just. I wasn't really rebelling. It was just like, oh, I don't. No. I don't, don't have to. Don't, don't have to do that anymore. Don't have to do it anymore. And I've got yeah. lots of other interests and things. And yeah, I think. I think. Maybe maybe it comes down to thinking that if if you if you hold a set of religious beliefs, um, and you know, I'm only talking from the Christian point of view that that there's a way of doing that that says, okay, because I have this set of beliefs, therefore I have to reject all this other stuff, or I don't have to connect, or um, this all this other stuff has got nothing to say to me and there's another way of holding your religious belief and your faith and saying actually this is what I believe profoundly and um, in my core but actually this is the way the world is working and 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 it's interesting and maybe I can learn something from the rest of the world maybe there are things that I can the insights and you know I mean Without without starting preaching sermons to you, which of course I've done all my life, <laughs> um, um, you know Jesus spent quite a lot of time talking to people who weren't within his religious kind of remit. Yeah. So he spent he spent a whole there's a whole chapter in one of the Gospels of him talking to a Samaritan woman, which in all in every sense in his day he shouldn't have done, but he did. So he was he was uh, he was connecting with bits of the world outside his closed world so i suppose it comes down to for me is is faith about closing your world off or is faith about opening your world up and not being frightened of other things that might challenge it but actually you might learn from but and then, i think and i push back on you and and those of you and people people like you <laughs> is that actually you close your mind off to religion. You open your mind up to so much other stuff that you don't actually ob- um, uh, objectively consider what a, what a faith can do for you, whether it's Christianity or Islam or Judaism or, or, or any of the others, that actually it doesn't have to be either or. I think that that was what I was going to say, is that I feel like a the... the a, a, a non a non-believing person feels like it's all or nothing and you're describing it as it's just kind of one part of your life and uh and you're open to everything else whereas i think people on the outside feel like that you people are people on the inside yeah. and that you're closed off and yeah. that, that's probably i don't know a common yeah. 
common yeah, misco- right. common misconception and i mean from for, from my point of view you're a good example of somebody who's who's who who has it as part of your life but it doesn't restrict you or i don't know restrict you from relationships with anybody no 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 and, but, and, but it's and, the bit, but then i guess it's the bad thing of religion that there are some people who do use their religion to create walls and barriers yeah. and and it's and it, and it may be those examples that people then use to say oh it's just so uh, i don't know closed off or or not narrow do, narrow dogmatic is that the right word yeah 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 um, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be that. Uh, but, but, mean, those, it, it, but those people, I don't know, have the biggest effect or or speak the loudest because they, because they're, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and that's really frustrating. I find that really frustrating that, uh, you know, and actually it, it brings to mind the, um, one of the questions I was asked in my interview for the job that I do at the moment, which was, um, what's uh, it was the kind of googly question at the end of the interview um uh and it was what is what is people's most common misconception about you in other words what do what do people see in you that is wrong but actually that's what they see and and i and i can remember sitting with these kind of you know deans and canons and you know important people in front of me and thinking oh golly this is in fact, I, I I think I said, oh, God, this is the googly question at the end, is it? Um, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, and I said, my answer to the question was that I'm religious. Because I wear a dog collar. <laughs> a mic drop and then just walk out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Um, and the, I unpacked it a bit and said that, you know, because I wear a dog collar and because I'm obviously a priest, and uh, at that time I'd only ever been a parish priest, um, that that people make all sorts of assumptions, and the assumptions that people make is that I've closed myself off to thinking, you know, about uh, all sorts of things, and actually I've narrowed my thinking about what the Bible is, you know, my point of view about I don't know marrying, you know, marriage, about gender, about sexuality, and all those kind of kind of uh, trigger subjects that people assume all sorts of things about religious people that they make all sorts of assumptions about that that actually are that aren't necessarily true you know in the end my job is my job it's part of who I am definitely in in a way that maybe other people's jobs are I don't know um but it doesn't it's not it doesn't define me you know I'm not yeah. sure that, what that what that comes down to is I'm not sure that on my gravestone, should you bother to spend any money on putting a gravestone there when I'm dead, <laughs> assuming I go first, I'm not sure I wanted to say Reverend. I don't think you ought to say Canon. It ought to just say, you know, I was Michael or Michael Smith or whatever. Yeah. Because I because it essentially, I don't want to, I'm not defined by anything apart from just being, I would say, a child of God. So my earliest memory of church is <laughs> <laughs> being my, a little... Go my, on, my, go on my, you, what's your... You go, yeah, sorry, I should have asked you. Well, no, no. What's your earliest memory of church? Well, my, my earliest memory of church, <laughs> I have three that stand out. One is sitting at the back with mum 
and being fed raisins to keep me quiet. Bribe, yeah. Two are either getting to church early or hanging around at the end and doing knee slides down the uh, yeah. aisle. Final comment. And uh, the other one is, so at the end of the service, kind of like at the end of a football game where everyone shakes each other's hands, you kind of stand at the, the door and everyone files past yeah. Yeah, yeah. to tell you how uh, wonderful your sermon was. Well, that was just me, not everybody, but go on. <laughs> um, and I don't know, you had your big cassock on and I'd yeah. be underneath it. You'd hide. Hide yeah. between you. I could be put in prison for that these days. Well, no, I know. It's just, it does sound very strange, but I mean, it, yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I remember that. Um, and I remember there was a lovely there was a lovely old guy who was a who was a retired Mountie. He was a Canadian uh, when you were a little. A retired you, what Mount? A retired Mountie. What? He was a Canadian. He was a Canadian policeman. Oh right, is that what they're called, Mounties? Yeah, never heard of that. What? It's not a very uh, aggressive police name. Like, oh my god, the Mounties are coming. Well, I'm not sure whether it was to do with Mountie <laughs> as in mountains or Mountie as in they walk they they rode horses. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't really matter. He was a really big, tall, old man, a very old man. He was a lovely man. And he'd married an English woman and he'd had three sons, actually. He was still in touch with his widow, took his funeral. Anyway, Ted used to, uh, I can remember him poking you as you, you know, ride around on the ground being an idiot when you were kind of three or four with your Pete's hat on because you always had a hat on and just poking you with his, you know, in a playful way, poking you with his walking stick. Oh, that, that might, that, that may, maybe that answers some of my... Uh... Some of my problems now. <laughs> I might follow that up with my therapist. You, you, you don't like being poked with walking sticks. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember that one. Um, anyway, so that so so then so you managed to be a cool teenager listening to to kind of the. I wouldn't say that was. I certainly think that that's, that's the case. I'm not sure my friends thought that. I did. People did take the piss out of me for wanting to do what I wanted to do and going to church. I did get a bit of that, but I never. It never was a major issue. They used to call me bishop. Really? At school, yeah. When I was a teenager, I, I was think called qu- bishop. I think that's quite a cool. <laughs> cool uh, surname. Yeah. Nickname. So anyway. So then, so you and so your faith endured. Um, being teased. Yep. Um, well, quickly. What was that? Was that all in you, or was that being? Did you feel outside pressure from? No, I never felt. I never felt any pressure. I never felt uh, wounded by anything anyone ever said to me about. And I, I don't remember anything unkind. Um, or really unkind. I just remember people, um, and you don't remember that, and you don't remember you, that. That's just always been part. You don't remember making a decision. I guess is a what making a decision? What that you had faith? I don't know. You. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, no, that's interesting. No, no, I don't really. Um, I do remember. You, know, you never came out as a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, had a conversion experience. <laughs> this, is, this is probably the way that religious people would prefer to put it. Um, no, I don't. I do remember going when I was probably about eleven or twelve, with the with the I suppose the Sunday school group, to some big um, 
religious event in a big hall somewhere. It might have been in Sheffield. I can't remember. And um, and I, you know, I was given a bit of literature at this thing and came home and and I remember reading it and it and it and it was it was manipulative stuff. I can now see trying to get people to you know be converted and sign up to religion and faith and things and it said you know if you want to invite jesus into your life as your personal savior that kind of stuff mm-hmm. you, you you know do do it say this prayer and there was a little prayer and then you must tell someone and and i can remember telling granny my mum, your granny oh you know she'd come up to say good night to me because i'd gone to bed and 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 just crying and and saying i you know I didn't, I didn't know I needed to do this because I thought I'd done it already, kind of. In other words, I was being manipulated by the church, in inverted commas, to, to, to do something, you know, because it fitted what the church thought I ought to be doing or somebody who was, you know, new to faith ought to do. When actually it was just, a, for me, it was just a, an integral part of who I was anyway. So, so but, even, was, but even, the, even that kind of experience wasn't enough then or or any time between then and now to be like oh this 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 thing's a bit odd or not not no. in my best interest it's only in the interest of its self as an organization yeah yeah no i'm i'm, I'm perfectly well aware that it, the organization is a bit odd I've, and i'm even more aware of that now than ever um and i'm perfectly well aware that the, the organization can be accused of manipulation and coercion of of others um in ways that aren't healthy or right um but my faith in the overall benefits of and uh, blessings he said piously of faith in in a person's life is bigger the 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 good outweighs the yeah yeah, and the, the, fact, good, I the suppose, good for you as an individual, and the good that you think it can have yes. on others, should they choose and have to, seen, and have seen it have on others. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the way that Granny kind of, you know, gave me a hug and said, "No, it doesn't matter. You don't need to do anything." You, you know, um, I suppose she said, "You know, it doesn't matter. It's fine. You're you're fine. It's mm. you know." Um, that that gave me the confidence to say, "Well, yeah, you know, I can sit lightly to all that stuff." You don't have to have a road to Damascus. Do you know what that is? I no. The road to Damascus experience sounds, oh, sounds bad. Is it totally a bad thing? Totally failed. <laughs> totally failed. St <laughs> Paul, Paul, you, you the, 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 who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul, that Paul, before he Paul, was Paul, Paul, Paul. Paul. Yes, Paul. Yeah, be- I know Paul. Before that, before that, he was called you know Paul. Before <laughs> that, he was called Saul, and he was a he was a he was a kind of a he was a kind of a religious zealot. Um, not I don't mean that in the political sense. He was a Pharisee. He was a really kind of um, uh, almost a terrorist. You could describe him because he went around pursuing and persecuting and killing Christians on behalf of protecting the purity of the Jewish kind of religion. And then, and and, and so he, he had a, he, they weren't called Christians in those days, they were called followers of the way, people who followed the way of Jesus. So he was after them. And he was on his way to Damascus as part of this process of persecuting and trying to bring an end to this ridiculous 
kind of um, expression of faith that had grown up around Jesus of Nazareth. And on his way there, he had a conversion experience. And in, in, a, in the blink of an eye, uh, ironically, because he went blind for a few days as a direct result of this, he, he had a vision of or an experience of Jesus, which changed his life completely. You know, and, and to hide his identity, he changed the S to a P. Well, for so, I don't. I've never quite understood that, to be honest. Don't tell anybody. I don't understand. You look that, like but, Saul. Yeah. No, I'm Paul. <laughs> yeah. So he ended up in Damascus as a as a as a somebody who wanted to be or who was a follower of Jesus. Right. So he had a the the point of telling you that was not only to continue my tireless responsibilities to educate you but also to say that actually some people have an experience of faith that you know turns on a on a point on yeah. an experience some people have it over a, a, a day a few days a week or so and some people it's an entire lifetime and you know i'm probably more that at that yeah wow so then so yeah so you get through uh playground teasing yeah. And then you're probably at an age where you're thinking of what you want to do for the rest yeah. of your life and you yeah. know that it you know that it's in the church, you know that it's to be a, a priest yeah. or a vicar. Yeah, yeah. What's the difference between a priest and a vicar again? There isn't a difference. All all vicars are priests, not all priests are vicars. In other words, vicar is the name of a job. Priest is what you're ordained to be is what you're you know there's a there's a ritual that happens that 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 makes you a priest and then a priest can be a vicar a rector a chaplain a canon all these other things right so so, 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 so vicar's you're all priest the, the job you're, you're all yes so a so a bishop is a priest but yes bishop is the title yes and before we're a priest we're a deacon but let's we let's not go into that it's just well no let's 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 go into deacon so so you so to so, become yeah. basically the trajectory of finishing school what what are the steps to becoming a priest okay so i my my vocation my desire to be a priest my uh, ambition um from about the age of 14 was to be a priest and, was that because um, there was a, a, like a really cool priest who you like yeah. looked up to? It was like, oh, I want to do what that yeah, there was, guy well, does. Was, was it all yeah, men? Was, was it all male priests? In your... Yeah, it was in those days. So yeah, sorry. So, who was the so, who was so the it was a, guy? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you. It was there was a number of things. So there was the fact that that faith was just seemed to be just part of who I was. And um, though I, you know, questioned and asked questions and opened myself up to other influences and, you know, um, stimulus, so to speak, it, it it was fairly solid. So there was that. Then there were two priests in the church that we went to in High Wycombe. Um, the, 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 the vicar was called John Crisp, who was a kind of um, eccentric, um, but um, um, attractive um charismatic in the kind of best sense of that word um a person who was funny and you know quirky and then there was kingsley who was the curate um uh, who who was who was normal in inverted commas in other words he you know he was he was funny and uh, he was big and he was 
he drank beer and, you know, he told jokes and he sometimes swore and he was just a normal human being, but he was a priest. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was that. And then there was, I can remember thinking when I was thinking about what I wanted to do. Okay, so when I'm 70, what am I going to be glad that I did? And I can remember thinking, well, if I went, if I went into, I don't know, um, management or something like that, you know, I could get to 70 and in the end, what I will have done is to help people eat Mars bars or mm. help people have a biro. Now, that this sounds horrible because it sounds as though I'm condemning people who, you know, work for Mars or people who work for big biros or whatever and saying oh, it's a pointless job. That's exactly, absolutely not what I'm saying. We all need those things. Uh, and they're important and people have got valuable jobs and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But for me, I didn't want to do that kind of thing. I wanted to do something that would, I'd be I'm not proud, that I'd be glad that I did when I'm 70 and being a priest was was it. So all those influences went together to form my vocation. So then, so then, and, and so it's pretty, pretty similar these days, but I had to go and, uh, so I had to talk to my local vicar and say, this is what I think I want to do. So I did that. And then he put me in touch with somebody in the diocese, which is the 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 kind of uh, like the next level up of the way the church is run. Um, as a, you know, um, there are 40 odd dioceses in the Church of England. So the Diocese of Oxford was where we lived. So I had to go and see the diocesan director of ordinance, who was the guy who was responsible for people who thought they wanted to be priests. Mm-hmm. I had to go and see him and have a chat with him. Uh, and then I had to go on what they called in those days a um, an ACAM, which was a, uh, like a three-day th- event, interview really, based on becoming, a, um, uh, I think it was based on becoming a, uh, you know, member of the army, a, a um, officer. officer. Um, and so over a period of three days, you had to have a series of in- interviews and there were a series of tests and then at the end of that, that the group of people who were kind of running that for, a, you know, there were probably, I don't know, a dozen people on it, potential priests on it. They would write to your bishop and recommend or not recommend that you become a priest. And I did that when I was probably in my first year of university. So I was probably 19, 20. That's far more rigorous than I would have thought. Well, not rigorous, but I don't know. I didn't know that you had to kind of be vetted. Oh, Yeah. Well, we should get all sorts of nuts. I mean, it's, I was going to say, well, we should get all sorts of nutters becoming vicars. Actually, it doesn't work very well, does it? <laughs> but, well, no, I don't know. I've, I would have thought, I don't know. I would have thought the church would sh- maybe struggle to get enough or, or are there enough people who... Well, wanna... they have over the years, but actually it's been it's been pretty good in the, in recent years. There's been quite a, quite a good... I mean, it's changed a bit because you can do it more... Um, uh, you can do it... F- through different more voluntarily, yeah, vo- more voluntarily. You can do it voluntarily these days. In other words, you yeah. don't get paid. It's not your job, but it's you know. So there's all sort of different ways you can do it. And and I remember the recommendation came back that you should take a year. So that because I was young, it said um, the recommendation was that when I'd finished university in two years' time, I think I went in my first year, um, I ought to take a year out before going to theological college, which is where you go to learn to be a priest. To make, sure remember, that it, to make sure that it was what you wanted to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but was, again, that sounds th- like they're giving you an opportunity to 
fall away from it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, they are. No, it's a kind of a test. I mean, there's an element of a, of them kind of testing your vocation by saying things like that. And I, I remember thinking, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste time by doing that. Mm. But it so happened that because, you know, uh, mum and I were um, get uh, got engaged soon after that, and um, and mum's. Um, degree was four years and mine was three years so I finished before her so it made sense for me to take a year so I did take a year out when um, what did you do was, what did you do in the year out we, we got we got married in the, oh, at the right. beginning we, did, we got I married thought, at the you could have got like a gap year and go to Thailand <laughs> <laughs> no I took a gap year and got married to mum went to live in Hull where she was at university and <laughs> w- w- worked for a year as a as a milkman so no, I didn't go quite, to Thailand. Quite, quite the gap, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was, and it was brilliant. It was. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't brilliant, but it was a good thing. And actually, I can remember th- realizing, because I thought I was a nice person, that actually, when you're running, develop, uh, delivering milk in the freezing cold in North Yorkshire, and somebody, you know, tells you off for not shutting their gate or running across the grass or something, that I could be quite unpleasant. Because really? up until that point, I'd never been, I'd never had that kind of connection with people who saw me other than just a student or a schoolboy or a nice chap who goes. So to when church. you say unpleasant, what do you mean? You'd you'd swear at them or throw rocks well, no, at no, the window no, no. or you'd, <laughs> no, no, I, you'd smash the smash the milk on the floor? No, no, no. I just remember getting cross. I don't, I don't think I was ever overtly rude to them, but I just remember feeling. You just drove marked. off in your milk float and go, oh damn, I should have said that. <laughs> I had such an old milk float once I nearly ran myself over with it, but that's another, that's another interesting thing. Because the, the brakes were so bad, I could... I was taught to be a milkman by somebody who ran everywhere. I remember him now, and um, I can't remember his name, but I can picture him in my head. So he just ran everywhere, so I always ran everywhere. Hard to keep up with him while he was trying to teach you. <laughs> so I can remember when I was doing it on my own that there was this really old milk float, and I was I pulled the handbrake on, picked up the milk and stepped out before the milk float had stopped moving and was going in front of it and it nearly ran me over. That would have been an interesting <laughs> way to die, wouldn't it? <laughs> Put that on your gravestone. Yeah, quite, absolutely. Flattened De- by a milk float. Death by milk. Um, so, well, I mean, I feel like there's a, a lot to get through and I plan, if you're up for it, to do it again. So... Yeah. Um, why don't we finish on what was it St Stephen's House, your theological college? So yeah, and then so if we after, stop after that, and then we can pick it up on the next one. Yeah, because it then it gets really interesting next next time <laughs> to be continued. So yeah, let's finish yeah, yeah, yeah. on the EastEnders. No, that's fine. Let's let's finish on the EastEnders. Dun 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 dun. Give me one okay. of those, and then we'll end on that. But yeah, okay. St so, Stephen's. So, yeah. Mum and I got married. We went to uh, we went to live in Hull. I was a milkman. She was doing her finals and having minor breakdowns all the time and phoning her mum and saying, "Why did you make me do this?" Nothing's and, changed. And <laughs> and um, um, uh, and then we went to uh, theological college. Dun, Sorry, dun, you said dun, you dun. said no. Wait, you said we oh. went. You and yeah, mom. well, mum. Yeah, of course she came with me. We we lived in. Um, we lived in the there was there was married quarters. Or so is wait, she had to be living on campus, but was yeah. she able? She was working while you were doing that. 
Well, yeah, she started. We're moving on now. You you put the sorry, bookmark in, and sorry. now we're re, we're reading on it. That's fine. So yeah, so she finished her degree. She got her degree. She came to Oxford, where St Stephen's House is, um, to, for me to start training to be a priest for two years at St Stephen's House. She started off by working for Marks and Spencers in the in the in the brand new cafe in the Oxford Marks and Spencers because oh. they didn't have the cafe. It was, that was a whole new thing. So she wow. spent entire days chopping up tomatoes to put in sandwiches and stuff like that. Wow! And then she decided that. Um, she didn't want to be a teacher, which is what her school had told her entire kind of school life that she ought to be a teacher. And she decided that she'd be a nurse. And so it was while she, we were at St. Stephen's house living in the married quarters or as all the single uh, students used to call it copulation quarters. <laughs> <laughs> um, she started training to be a nurse in High Wycombe. Wow. I had no idea. Well, there you go. That's news to me. That's family history for you. Well, let's start anyway. from let's start from oh, St Stephen's on. House. Dum 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 dum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Thank you. And uh, okay, maybe next one we'll do in an afternoon because we'll yep. be able to, or I will be able to drink an alcoholic beer. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't know. You can choose the next one. Okay. And uh, so, hang on. I've got to buy it and send it to you by. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm. What? No, I'll find, find it in a shop and I'll go and buy it. No, that's fine. It's my round. All right. Yeah, no, it is your round. <laughs> anyway, enjoy your uh, lucky Maybe same. Maybe I'll send you a schmern of ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. That is the best way to finish that. All right. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.